Hello and welcome to Dedicated Packers, a podcast where we do care about the Green Bay Packers. And we don't care about anything else. Let's go. All right, hello and welcome back to Dedicated Packers. Today, we are talking about the changes to my perception of Matt LaFleur based on the events of the 2022 NFL regular season. But first, there is a little bit of news. Your Green Bay Packers have replaced Jerry Gray. They are bringing in Greg Williams from the Arizona Cardinals. He had coached in Arizona since 2019. He coached defensive backs there. And he is coming to Green Bay now to probably do a similar thing. He could either coach all of the DB room or just coach cornerbacks as the Packers already have a safeties coach, but we'll see what happens there. You should expect an official announcement sometime sometime soon. For now, there's not too much to say on this hire. I'm happy that they hired someone from outside the building. Arizona's, you know, defensive backs aren't exactly incredible or anything, but It's nice that they're hiring from outside the building. I just want to see a new approach from a secondary standpoint because what we had going for most of last year didn't work. So that's kind of my hope with this hire. We'll see how that all plays out. Now, with that out of the way, we're going to move on to the changes to my perception of Matt LaFleur. Um, First, I want to talk about sort of my criteria that I use when I evaluate a head coach. There are five things that I look at. The first thing is teaching. The second thing is scheme slash play calling. The third thing is motivation slash locker room environment. The fourth thing is hiring assistants, defensive coordinators, offensive coordinators, whatever. And then the fifth is game management. So those are sort of the five things that I look at when I evaluate a head coach. Now, how do you evaluate evaluate teaching? Because obviously... You know, we're not we're we are not there every single day observing how they help teach. So for me, I think one of the things that you absolutely have to look at is on field discipline. How many players do you have screwing up? How many penalties are is the team committing? What is the communication like? How are they playing with fundamentals on you know individual plays or people running the wrong routes or people missing assignments? That, I think, all comes down to teaching. I also think you can look a bit at player development. From a scheme-slash-play-calling standpoint, I think you absolutely have to watch the plays. Obviously, you can get some sense of play-calling based on just watching the game from a TV angle, but I think all-22 film is crucial when you're actually evaluating the scheme. You're watching how does he set up his blocking, how does he set up route concepts to play off each other, how does he prey, most importantly, on the weaknesses of his opponent, The third thing, motivation slash locker room, that I think is very, very difficult to judge. But I would say looking at how in control the locker room seems or their players, you know, outwardly protesting, that's always a bad sign. And then how does the team respond to adversity? How do they come back within a game from being down? How do they come back and respond week to week? How do they even respond season to season? Perhaps. Then the fourth Piece of criteria, hiring assistants, defensive coordinators, offensive coordinators, what be it. It's just got to be a check the track record type of thing. How good 
are the defensive coordinators slash offensive coordinators that he's hiring, how many go on to get a job elsewhere. For example, Matt LaFleur hired Luke Getze to be his quarterback coach, and Luke Getze went on and is now the Chicago Bears offensive coordinator. Um, Nathaniel Hackett went from Green Bay's offensive coordinator to Denver's head coach position, but Matt LaFleur's defensive coordinators, like Mike Pettin, have gone nowhere. Joe Barry, not yet a head coach. I don't expect him to be one. And then sort of the fifth piece of criteria is game management. How does a coach manage the clock, timeouts? Are they aggressive? What are their challenges like? So, like, how how accurate are their challenges? How often do they get challenges right? So that is what I'll look at. I'm going to look at all five of those in relation to Matt LaFleur. I'm going to discuss how he was perceived prior to 2022. I'm going to talk about how sort of if, if anything has shifted or what the view is now. And then I'm going to talk about changes there in terms of my perception. So without further ado, let's jump right into it. The first thing, teaching. This is arguably, actually not even arguably, it is definitely the most important part of being a head coach. It is arguably the most important part of a lot of professions. And I have talked uh, before, I talked before about three minutes ago about how I measure teaching, how I measure how good a coach is at teaching. And before 2022, I looked at Matt as a very good teacher and that was because his teams were always extremely, extremely disciplined. I believe in 2021, they were the least penalized team. In 2020, they were something like seventh least. So you saw a lot of excellence from that side of things. You also saw that his plays were so often executed to perfection. You had Aaron, Devontae, Lazard, MVS, Mercedes, Jonesy, Dylan, and players of that caliber and no one was ever messing up. Everyone was lining up in the right spot. They were going in motion when they needed to be. People were snapping the ball at the right time. Receivers were all running the right routes, getting the audibles. And as a result, you had an offense that ran relatively smoothly, smoothly especially in 2020 after a year in Matt's system and a bunch of veteran players that knew what they were doing. In addition to this well-executed offense, lack of penalties on both the offensive and defensive side of the ball. You also had a lot of players playing with fundamentals. And I'm going to speak specifically on the offensive side of the ball because I think that's what's most indicative of Matt's teaching because that's the side of the ball that he specializes with. On the offensive side of the ball, on the offensive line, you had players playing really well. You had obviously all pros from Bakhtiari to Elton to Lindsley on the left side, and then very good players on the right side in Runyon and Turner, and they were all they were all playing very solid technique, and it showed in their success up front. And so as a result, you had to sort of think, wow, this is a really cohesive, good team that has been well taught and is well coached. And now, yeah, after 2022, you perhaps have shifted your viewpoint a little bit. I think a lot of people had because 2022 brought a lot of issues from discipline to fundamentals. The offensive line. It struggled greatly with players like Newman and Hansen in the game. The discipline also was not there. You saw a lot more pen penalties. Uh, Quay Walker obviously got ejected twice. And as Matt said, that is a direct reflection 
on the head coach. So yeah, in terms of fundamentals on the offensive line, we saw a drop. In terms of discipline, we saw a drop. But here's where everything not only dropped, but fell right off a cliff. Communication slash execution. Because in 2021, you had people running the right routes correctly all the time. You had people motioning at appropriate times. You had people lining up properly. You had people picking up their blocking assignments. And in 2022, you saw, well, um, a lot less, a lot less of that. I, I can't tell you how many times you'd watch a tape early on and you'd see Watkins running the wrong route or even Watson running the wrong route. Or uh, you'd see uh, early in the season when he was starting, you'd see Newman fail to pick up a stunt. You would see Myers snap the ball at the wrong time right into Watson's leg as he's motioning and the Bears would recover it. You just saw someone not knowing what they were doing or messing up what they were doing. And that pretty clearly doesn't reflect well on the teaching of Matt LaFleur. So that all looks pretty bad. But, and this but is very big, as the year went on, you did see a lot of things improve. Newman and Hansen were benched. That quickly cleared things up up front, putting in Tom, putting in Nyman. It also eliminated a lot of the previous penalties that they were getting before with Newman holding or Hansen doing something dumb. And Watson and Dobbs became more experienced. That really, really, really helped things out because they messed up less and less. And Sammy Watkins also messed up less and less because the Packers played him less and less. So how does that all change my perception of Matt LaFleur's teaching? Well, I think that my 2021 perception, you know, after that year was is still relatively accurate. And I still more or less feel the way that I did then because his results in 2020 and 2021, while I think they were an unfair reflection of him because he was coaching extremely veteran players, I think I, I was confident in him as a teacher and I remain confident in him as a teacher. Again, early on, he helped develop MVS, Elton, and Runyon. Yes, that's true and he should get credit for that. But he had a lot of guys, a lot of veterans like Bakhtiari, like Lindsley, like Devontae that had been in Green Bay for many years before Matt arrived. So he was coaching a team and he was getting players involved in a system. Yes, but he was teaching smart, educated, and not to mention really good football players. And that's going to reflect well on you as a teacher. If you're a teacher and you're coaching, not coaching, and you're teaching math, let's say, and all your students are extremely smart when it comes to math, well they're probably going to score better on the exam than a group of teachers, a group of students with the same teacher, and the students are not as good at math. So that's that's sort of why I think you might have felt that Matt was actually a better teacher than he than he was. So that all that all being said, in 2020, he was then forced to bring along a huge number of young players. That includes Watson, it includes Dobbs, it includes Toure, it includes Tom, it includes Newman, it includes Myers, and all those players are on the offensive side of the ball at critical positions, wide receivers in the offensive line. And that, along with the general talent depletion, you know, losing MVS, losing Devontae, was a big reason for all their penalties and terrible execution. And that is, I think, why some people maybe feel less about Matt's teaching, because they saw these guys playing and struggling. And with some of the guys, the fact that they're young and rookies is not an excuse. For example, the Packers have failed to develop Josh Myers at this point, And at some point that has to fall on coaching. And I'm sort of putting that on coaching with Royce Newman. Similar thing. I'm kind of putting that on coaching because he showed a lot of promises in his rookie year, didn't show much in his second year 
at all. Now, that being said, they were also able in the end of 2022, towards the back half, they were also able to develop guys like Watson, like Dobbs, like Zach Tom, and make them and make them all very instrumental parts of the offense as the year went on. And so to conclude, I think that I feel good about LaFleur as a teacher, just as I did last year, because even with the disasters that you saw early on, the terrible, as I mentioned, screw-ups left, right, and center, you also saw them bring along guys like Watson, Tom, and Dobbs. They made them look really good. And even with the disasters early on, they were still only something like 12th in penalties per game, or sorry, not whatever. They were 12th best, best in 20 penalties per game. So they were above average in that area. And if they fail more with rookie classes, then I think it is fair to question teaching and player development. But for now, I feel really good. I think they did a bang up job with this rookie class. And so I still feel good about Matt's teaching. I think up to 2020, he had a loaded roster to teach and he did a good job teaching them. Now he has a less loaded roster to teach and he's doing a pretty good job teaching them. And some of them aren't great, like a Myers, like a Hanson, but he's doing a good job and he's done a good job with Watson Dobbs and Tom and players like that. So I still feel good about the teaching as of right now. Then the second part, scheme, play calling. What was that like? Well, before 2022, Matt LaFleur was widely considered a schematic genius. No, I'm not saying he was on the Shanahan, Andy Reid type of tier, but he was definitely in that second top tier with a Sean McVay type of coach. And that's because he he was excellent in every aspect. His play designs were absolutely flawless. I mean, you see how well he sets up blocking from his sweeps to his pin and pull concepts to even just plain power man running concepts the route concepts always played off each other beautifully he had play action concepts opening players up mvs Devonte, allen cobb didn't matter they were all getting open and in 2020 especially and this is big the packers were at the absolute forefront of nfl offense they just like Shanahan had in 2019 and McVay had in 2018 they had their dominant offensive season that seemingly every Shanahan genius has where everyone in the league is stealing their offensive concepts because of the historic offensive season that they put together and all of that meant that Matt was viewed as this extremely prominent offensive figure extremely dominant offensive figure his play calling just as much as his play design was considered next level he was beautifully able to sequence plays together he understood when to throw in play action or throw in an rpo play off of his running plays and then most importantly i think he exemplified the famous quote of players not plays or jimmies and joes not x's and o's and that quote essentially means as a coach your job is to think about getting the ball into the hands of your best players because the people who score the points are the players not the coach so when you have a Devonte on your team your job is to get the ball into Devonte's hands and that's what matt did he got it to Devonte on rpos many times he got it to Devonte on run solutions many times he got it to Devonte on play action many times and on third and five he'd throw up a f- he'd say aaron fade Devonte, throw first down that's just kind of how it went and 
as a result, because of all this offensive success, you had Matt being this sort of revered offensive figure. However, 2022 brought some reality in, and I think, I think, well, first of all, one of the biggest things that it showed was that Matt is still a next-level play designer. I think that as you watch the tape from this past season, you can see a goal with all of his plays, and that's not something you can say for every NFL head coach, okay? Matt's run concepts are still absolutely there. I think there's even an argument that they were more innovative this year than in 2021, and maybe that's just recency bias, but I feel like he was really, really innovative in the run game, despite not enjoying calling it for some for some strange reason. His passing concepts, they were also right there, though. We got to see a lot less of that because of all the screw-ups, both up front with the offensive line and with receivers. But generally, from a play designing standpoint, I think 2022 sort of confirmed what I felt was true going into the year, which is that Matt is a top play designer in the league. However, one thing that throughout the season didn't make sense at all and was criticized widely was his play calling. And that is an aspect of Lafleur that in 2020, I mentioned it was revered, it was admired because of how in sync he was with Rodgers. And as a result, he got a lot of praise. But in 2020, he took a lot of heat. People blasted him first for, for not running the ball enough. Yes, I did more than my fair share of that. People blasted him for running a ridiculous number of RPOs. And more than anything, people blasted him for calling a bunch of dumb spread plays where Rodgers had to pick a side, point, and shoot. And, oh yeah, remember that little X's and, uh, nope. I was gonna do the quote the wrong way around. Jimmy's and Joe's, not X's and O's thing. Yeah, yeah, that went by the wayside because he did not get the ball to his best playmaker, Aaron Jones, for nine weeks of the 2022 regular season. And so you had this, you know, offensive figurehead that people were always promoting. It's, you know, it's Shanahan, it's Andy Reid, it's McVay, and it's Lafleur. And I'm right there. I'm pushing that that uh, that agenda. I think Matt Lafleur is right up there. But he wasn't play calling like it for the first half of the season. However, in the back half of the season, things started to pick up. His play calling began to look less all over the place and more structured with, like against the Cowboys, a clear devotion to the running game to set up the pass. He was able to get the ball to his new best playmaker, Christian Watson. And so you began as 2022 went on to see him get better from a, you know, Jimmy's and Joe's not X's and O's standpoint and from a play calling, general play calling standpoint. And so what is the change? What's the change from 2021 to 2022? And I think from my perception, there's some change. Um, again, as I said, play designing, that more or less stayed the same in my mind. He's a hell of a play designer. We saw, you know, throughout his plays, the same intelligent and it's same intelligence and purpose with his play designs that we'd seen in previous seasons. So truly, that's not a concern. Also, if you're concerned about what I said before, the Packers no longer, while they were in 2020, the Packers are no longer at the forefront of offensive play design. That's something you shouldn't really be worrying about simply because the NFL is cyclical and everyone, all the best coaches, even Shanahan and Reed and Belichick, they fall behind to a degree. Reed kind of did last year with Mahomes and Hill, two of the best weapons in football, but he kind of fell behind Shanahan did in 2020 a little bit. He had a bunch of injuries that he had to fight through. And I fully believe that Matt is more than smart enough and more than young and willing to adapt enough to come back, adjust, and create more innovative solutions. So the Packers play designing there. The fact they're not at the forefront of offensive play design, I think that'll come back. 
but play calling. I mentioned Matt being blasted for all sorts of play calling decisions, not running enough, running a bunch of spread stuff, not getting the ball to Jones. And he was praised in 2020 so much for his play calling, but criticized so much in 2022. And I think in reality, neither of those were deserved. I think he doesn't deserve all the blame he got this year. And I don't think he deserved all the credit he got in 2020 because the reality is that at this moment, play calling is a joint partnership between Aaron Rodgers and Matt LaFleur. And as a result, that's an area of Matt's coaching that I simply can't judge. I would love to. I really, really, really would. I think I judged it a bit too much last year. But at this point, I think we all have to keep in mind that until either Aaron or Matt is gone, play calling and its brilliance or lack thereof is just a much bigger statement on what kind of page and wavelength Matt and Aaron are on. It's more of a statement of that than a statement of how good Matt is at actually play calling. So that's what I have for you there. So again, play calling, I mean, not play calling, I feel like, is hard to judge, so I'm not sure there can be much change there. And play designing, no change there from a perception standpoint for me. Then the third sort of piece, motivation slash locker room. Before 2021, Matt LaFleur's hiring, first of all, when he was first hired, he was widely criticized by the national media. People thought that he was too quiet, said he couldn't command a room. And people also thought, even after watching him coach for three years, that his team's were soft because they didn't really come back from deficits. This was a major talking point among Packers fans that the Packers just kind of sat down and lost. We saw that twice in 2019 in San Francisco where they got blown out first in the regular season on Sunday Night Football and then in the conference championship game. We saw it once against the Bucks in 2020 where in like week five or so they got absolutely torched. Maybe it was week six. And then we also saw it against New Orleans in 2021. The team just fell down and never came back. They lost like 38 to 3 in that game. The team and the team side of the ball that falls down generally rarely got back up. That was sort of a trend that we'd seen for three years. We also saw it, I didn't haven't mentioned these games yet. We saw it against Tampa in the NFC Championship game where the offense collapsed and never got back up. We saw it against San Fran in 2021 in the divisional round game where Mercedes Lewis fumbled and the offense never got back, never scored a touchdown again that game, and Mercedes Lewis fumbled with like 10 minutes left in the first quarter. So despite no outward issues and players voicing nothing but support for Lafleur, I think there was a perception that Matt was almost a weak head coach. And in 2022, I think, well, obviously the perception existed going into the season. In fact, I believe it was stronger than ever when the Packers collapsed the Giants after a three and out. They collapsed all game against the Jets. And I think at that point, after week six, people were thinking, Matt seems like a generally weak head coach. His team doesn't have any fight. But I think that Matt took that narrative, put it in the ground, and stomped on its neck about seven times in the back half of 2022. And that's what I loved about this season because the Packers overcame deficits pretty well. Definitely better than they had in years past. They overcame a 14-point deficit to the Cowboys, which I witnessed in person. Just saying, great game. They overcame a 14-point deficit to the Eagles. They overcame a 9-point deficit to the Bears and a 10-point deficit to the Dolphins. They came back and won all but one of those games. Oh, and, uh, and by the way, Matt LaFleur also brought the team from 4-8 and eight to 8-8 eight and eight and a game away from the playoffs. So the must-win, and this is, let's jump into my changes now. I've talked about what, what the perception was before 2021, what it was after. 
um, what are the changes? I think that, first of all, must-win losses, games that are must-win games where Matt loses, they are far, there are far too many of those. Matt is now 2-4 and four in must-win games, um, so that's still something that he needs to overcome. But with all that being said, I think that he totally overcame the, you know, Matt LaFleur's a soft coach narrative. Matt LaFleur's not an exciting coach narrative because he got a team to rally around him, and that's something you don't often see. He got them to rally around him in the Cowboys game, the Eagles game, the Bears game, the Dolphins game, and just throughout the season when he brought them back on that four-game winning streak. So that's what I like to see, and that was maybe the biggest thing for me, the fact that he said, we're not a weak team, and we're going to come back, and we're going to make these plays, and that was so impressive to me. The fourth thing, hiring of defensive coordinators, offensive coordinators, assistants. Okay, from good to bad. Uh, after 2021, we we kind of all felt fine about Matt LaFleur's hirings. Um, you know, after the 2021 season, I would say that things weren't um, great from a special teams point because Matt had hired both Mo Drayton and Sean Menega, and those flopped miserably as hires, but... He had also let go of Mike Pettin and brought in Joe Barry, whose defense had, after 2021, just stomped the Niners' offense in the 2021 divisional round, so you're feeling pretty good there. But after 2022 has gone by, things feel quite a bit worse. Yes, the Rich Passaccia hiring worked out really well. In fact, it worked out too well, almost, because he might be getting the Colts job now, which would just be devastating, and what would be more Packers-esque? than the Packers wasting their one year of good special teams play on the year where their offense and defense both suck for most of the year. So, okay, anyway, Rich Passaccia hiring that work. But he also, Matt, has decided to stick with Joe Barry going into 2023, and that's what is so painful. The fact that he is so loyal to his guys, and maybe he's making the right choice. Again, Matt LaFleur knows... I mean, it feels like Matt LaFleur knows more than 100,000 times what I know. So Matt LaFleur knows, knows way more than I know. But he, I feel like, is just a bit too loyal to some of his coaches, some of his friends. And he didn't hire Pettin, so he's now hired four coordinators. Four, four coordinators not on his side of the ball. Three of those are special teams coordinator, and one is a defensive coordinator. And he's one and four on those hires, as far as I'm concerned. He failed with Barry, he failed with Mo Drayton, and he failed with Sean Menega. He's only succeeded with Rich Bisaccia. That's an issue, and that's something that I think needs to be addressed. And so when we're looking at change, how my perception of him has changed, I would say that after 2021, with Bisaccia not yet hired and Joe Barry looking more successful than I believe it is now, I would say he was you know, 0 0.5 for three at that point, with me giving him a half point for Joe Barry and no points for Drayton or Menega. So that, while perhaps you don't think, oh, there's a shift there from, you know, 0.5 to 3 to 1 for 4 on hiring, um, I think that at some point you have to be displeased with how he has refused to move on from people, and I think that I want him to be better at moving on. Maybe, you know, this keeping Barry stuff works. I just tend to doubt it, and I would really, really like to see Matt say, you know what, thanks, Joe, but I don't see a future with you on this defense. And maybe maybe that's the wrong call. Maybe he shouldn't be doing that, but that's what I would like to see him do, and that's sort of where I'm sitting. I think if there's one thing that you can really criticize about Matt LaFleur as a head coach, it might be that he's too loyal to those people. And then the fifth thing, 
Game management, I'm going to be concise here. There's really no change for me here. Matt wastes timeouts. I don't like that. I think that it would be much better if Matt and Aaron didn't waste timeouts. But whatever, he wastes timeouts. Sometimes he wastes challenges too. That's just something that I think both the timeouts and challenges, I think that's something that seems to be a flaw of both Shanahan and McVay. So I'm not shocked that Matt is the same issue. It's something that hasn't yet come back to bite the Packers in the ass. So I'm not yet angry about it. And then how aggressive is he? I think that nothing's changed in terms of how I view his aggressiveness. I think he's a he's about as aggressive as I want him to be. He knows occasionally when to kick a field goal, but he's very willing to go for it on fourth down. So that's what I like. That's what I appreciate about Matt. I think game management has sort of stayed where it is. So overall, where did, where did we land, right? How did my perception of him change? Because I've given you these five different things, and I've given you how my perception changed in those five different aspects. I would say that I still consider him really good as a teacher, and I did last year. So there's no change there. I still consider him an excellent play designer, and I don't think that his play calling is really something that we can judge yet. So I would say there's no change there. However, I do think that I after this season, have a lot more faith in him as a motivational coach, a coach that people will buy into, and I will always point to the back half of this season as evidence for why I think that he's someone that people can buy into. I have a lot less faith in him hiring assistants and being loyal to people simply because of all the failed hires that we've seen, so that's not a nice thing that 2022 gave us, and I think there's no change from how I view his game management, so that's where we've landed. I think that he is a good teacher. I love his play design, and I can't wait to actually get to judge his play calling. I like how aggressive he is. But what this year taught us is that Matt LaFleur's staff changes, or lack thereof, need to work because being loyal is maybe one of his biggest flaws. However, he is the leader that I want for this football team. And by the way, he's a very handsome man. But that is what I have for you. As always, thank you very much for listening to Dedicated Packers. I will be back on Sunday talking all about the awards from Saturday night, but that is what I have for you. Thank you, as always, for listening to, to Dedicated Packers, and until next time, go Pack, go! Go!